This episode is dedicated to Christian de Visser of Germany. Today, episode launch day is April 5th and also Christian's 21st birthday. When Christian was 19, he was diagnosed with glioblastoma, which is an aggressive brain tumor. And in fact, today, April 5th, some friends of mine organized a 10K run so that we can show our support for Christian and all people suffering from glioblastoma and other cancers. Christian shared with me that every day he feels hope and positivity. And that is so inspiring, Christian. Well, I'm truly honored that Christian enjoys your Positive Imprint podcast and my featured guests. Now, Christian, my dear friend, you are not only courageous, but you are an inspiration and a positive imprint for me, and I am certain for those around you in Germany as well, as I have heard from others in Germany, that when you go in for chemo treatments, you inquire about the well-being of others, and you never complain. As I watch from afar, I clearly see your humorous, kind, and loving personality and all that is good about you. Christian, cheers to you on this, your 21st birthday. Your positive, positive, positive imprint. 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 Stories are everywhere. People and their positive action inspire positive achievements. Your PI could mean the world to you. Get ready. For your positive imprint. Hello, this is Catherine, your host of the podcast, Your Positive Imprint, the variety show featuring people all over the world whose positive achievements inspire positive thought and action. Exceptional people rising to the challenge. Music by the talented Chris Knoll. Check out his music and learn more about him at chrisknoll.com. C-H-R-I-S-N-O-L-E. Fabulous music and lots of music, too. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram, Your Positive Imprint. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Check out my YouTube channel, Your Positive Imprint. Listen from the podcast platform you're listening from now, or, of course, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Music, Podbean. And for listeners who aren't familiar with where to go, then the easiest place is from my website, yourpositiveimprint.com. Please hit that subscribe, download, or follow button. This is a free podcast. Your Positive Imprint. What's your PI? Christoph Zajac Denick is a known television producer, surfer, drummer, actor, stuntman, and so much more. His talents have sent him around the world entertaining audiences. But Christoph has always had a goal, and today, through podcasting and television, his goal is more attainable. Building a bridge between little people and the average height world is one of his many positive imprints. Christoph, too, is a little person born with the disorder of bone growth called cartilage hair hypoplasia. Christoph's bone disorder does not identify him. His positive imprints are whom he is. Christoph, <laughs> welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate uh, being on. It's so awesome to have you. And we've been getting to know each other and we've been laughing and, and having some small world little incidences occur, which have just been fun. 
So what a what a crazy small world it is for sure. Oh, I know. It's a fun world. It can be a fun world. So in in your world is one of the entertainment world, not a world that you ever expected to be. Well, no, because you were wanting music. But let's uh, first talk about Kristoff and where you're from and whom you are and, and what your aspirations in life have been. Thanks for having me on. This is awesome. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm a little person. I'm originally from Detroit, Michigan, where the winters are brutal. And uh, sorry about that, y'all. Yeah, I grew up, uh, you know, when I was when I was born, I tell this story a lot. The doctor that delivered me came in and told my mom, yeah, your son has a form of dwarfism and we don't exactly know what's going on. But He's never going to run. He's never going to ride a bicycle. He's never going to live a normal life. And it was really kind of devastating for my mom to hear that on my first day of life. But but it was an awakening. You know, they kind of realized, okay, we're not taking this lying down and this is just one person's opinion. And so my family sought out to find the best care for me they possibly could we got connected with a doctor in Baltimore, Maryland named Dr. Kopitz, and I saw him for 16 years. Every year we would drive from Detroit to Baltimore, and uh, we started to see him when I was two. And he was a genius. He just he spent his life, dedicated his life to helping little people, and he devised these innovative ways to operate on little people and correct our problems and i mean i lucked out I, at six i had my first uh, leg straightening operation they made non-unions out of my fibulas which corrects the the bowing in the lower legs so my fibulas the non-weight-bearing bone in my lower leg have not been connected since i was six i, I believe he performed this on a number of little people this was a a regular operation and you know my legs are straighter because of it he also performed other you know operations on my legs as well in, at six but you know that was one of the procedures and then you know between six and 16 I just kind of lived my life I was riding my bike and skateboarding and getting dirty and playing in the mud and playing soccer and basketball and into remote control cars and you know regular Typical suburban <laughs> slash farm living kid in Metro Detroit, Michigan. And, you know, life was great. My parents never told me that I couldn't do anything. They never protected me from things. I mean, they protected me from things in the way that a kid needs protection. And obviously there were kids and adults too that would point me out and make fun of me and stuff and cat call me and say oh there's a midget like have you seen that that short guy or whatever you know they would be surprised or I call it a misunderstanding a reaction born of misunderstanding because they don't know me right and so they react in the most comfortable way they know how and a lot sure. of times that's hurtful. It is. And I think so. a lot of people, they it's easier to be judgmental than to learn the value of each person. And it's easier yeah, to walk sure. away. And I don't, I don't think that's right. Everybody has value regardless. And I'm sorry I interrupted you. No, it's fine. Uh, interruptions can sometimes be really good. <laughs> so it's all good. But yeah, and then 
uh, I think it was around 13. They, uh, the doctor said, oh, your spine is curved more than it should be. And we need to watch out for that. And he prescribed a back brace that I was to wear and I hated wearing it. There's a lot of self-conscious feelings around a 13 year old who's having to wear a back brace to high school. And that was just tough. And I kind of didn't wear it as much as I should have. And there was something in my brain that just knew I was going to have to have surgery for my back. And so uh, I had another operation on my legs at 16, 17. I had a spinal fusion that they put two rods, attached them to my spine with hooks and straightened out my spine quite a bit. And yeah, that, that's, that was another complication from cartilage hair hypoplasia. And so, and you're born with it. So it's going to be part of a gene pool. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's in me. It's I, from what my knowledge is that it's a recessive gene that's given from both parents that results in dwarfism. And so somewhere, somewhere, someone along the way, or there was a mutation or something like that, you know, formed, uh, in me cartilage hair hypoplasia that's a terrible description of what happens i don't i'm not a scientist i can't <laughs> i hope people are entertained by that but you know from what i know it's, it's it is a recessive gene and i talk on my show that dwarfism is a mixed bag and there are people who have 11 operations or more in their lives and there are some people who don't have any and it's all about correcting and preserving motion and managing your pain. And those are big things, especially when in the medical field, there aren't a bunch of doctors that are specializing in dwarfism. It's, it, it's kind of sometimes trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. Yeah. So do you live with pain? Uh, miraculously, I do not live oh, with pain, good. which is I am so lucky. I, the doctors that performed operations on me were beyond talented and there's also a lot of luck involved because you can have extremely talented doctors and still end up in a situation where you have pain. So I'm very lucky. I'm very active. I'm very mobile. I do just about whatever I want to. And I, I, I do not take that for granted. Well, let's talk about the doing whatever you want to. But first, I just want to mention that I, I commend your parents for making sure that you understood that you go for it and you go for whatever you want and go and, and play, go have fun. Nothing's going to stop you. And you did all of that. And so that obviously helped you with, and we'll talk about that later, you're surfing because you've, yes. you, you, and I've seen videos of it. It's incredible. So now you have fulfilled so many things in your life and you keep moving and, and doing more and you're adding more and doing more. And now you have this, this huge goal of yours to bridge this gap, which is everything that you've done, except for some of your your roles ike the spike is definitely not a positive imprint in my book but the entertainment of course is a positive <laughs> imprint because good acting yeah. is is always always welcome into people's living rooms and and dens uh, as they watch you so, know i i i would caution you on what you say about ike the spike yeah just probably. so you know Catherine, like just like 
this is going to get out there and Ike the Spike might hear something. So just be, be forewarned. So for listeners, I, Ike the Spike comes from <laughs> Twin Peaks. <laughs> so, and yeah. our friend here, Christoph Sajak Denick, was uh, on Twin Peaks as Ike the Spike. So, uh, but, so you have done so much. And I, I kind of would like our conversation to gear around the inspiration of no matter whom you are or what type of stipulations have been put on your body, you still have a soul. Yeah. And so we yeah. can go from there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we have to go back and give props to my parents again because, you know, not only did they take or find the best care and get me taken care of as much as they possibly could physically. They also fed my fuel for desire and adventure and trying new things. My dad took me on multiple trips around the country and Canada, just exploring and going to the Grand Canyon and to New York City and to just all over the place, fishing in Canada. And that just opened my eyes all the time to a world that you don't get just sitting at home in the Midwest and seeing other things. And then my mom traveled me as well. We would go to islands and she took me to France. And as a, as a youngster, five, six, seven, my mom started this points program with me. And if I would try something new, she would barter with me and I would be able to get points from like saying, Say we're at a restaurant and, you know, she orders escargot, which is snails, right? Uh -huh. And as a as a six-year-old, you're like, what is that? And, you know, they say, oh, it's snails. And you say, yeah, I'm not going to eat that. And my mom says, okay, well, you get 50 points if you try. You don't have to like it. You don't have to f eat all of them, but you have to try one. And you get 50 points if you try a snail. And so it's like, well, that's not so bad. Plus 50 points. If I get a thousand points, I get a toy. So come on, this is like, yeah, I'm cheating the system here. Like, this is great. And so, I mean, what a smart way to, to bring up a kid, you know, just to have this adventure instilled and, and this love for trying things and knowing, you know, you're not going to die. The, the things that my parents did will stay with me forever. And, and that just fueled my love for just myself and doing whatever I could. And I've wanted to play drums. And so I bought a drum kit and I wanted to go to New York and travel around and just see the world. And then I started playing drums in a rock and roll band. And like all of these things just kind of came from, you know, <laughs> maybe it came to back to bite my parents because I've been on the road possibly for my entire life, not necessarily wow. on yeah, tour, wow. but just moving around and doing different jobs. And I, I mean, I don't have history with a corporation or you know anything like that so it's just been all of these different experiences in my life and you know now I'm 41 now and they make for an interesting story I think you know I love all the things that I've done and I've loved the story that's my life now and that wouldn't have been the case had my parents approached this dwarfism with like okay we're going to we need to insulate Christoph and and keep his existence safe. You know, like we're just going to make sure that he's okay and just go on. And uh, no, I went out there and got messy. 
<laughs> that's <laughs> that's a, a fun way to <laughs> phrase it. You got messy. And that's such positivity because it, it left you with such positive, absolute positive outlook on life and yourself. Your dwarfism, obviously, it does not identify whom you are. I know that you talked about at one point in your biography, you had mentioned that you were in denial and you didn't connect with a lot of people who were also born with dwarfism. You know, why was that? That's the other side of the coin, right? Is, you know, you have all this uh, soul in meeting people and doing things or experiences. I don't know if I want to tell claim that I have all this soul, but I definitely there's some replacement there. There's some denial of who you really are when you just accumulate hobbies and toys to <laughs> execute those hobbies. It's it's kind of like there's a little bit of ableism there on that you put on yourself and denial of like like we were talking before the show, you know, we had the discussion about do little people feel like they are disabled or they fall into a category of disability. And for the longest time, I would deny my disability. And I would say, no, this is not, even after having three surgeries where my bones were cut and broken and screwed together, it's like, no, I could still, I could still play basketball with y'all. I could still play football. It's like, no, actually I can't. I have to honor what my body is doing and what it is and and look at it and say okay there's a future here that you have to pay attention to and physically you have to watch out for yourself more so than other people which is kind of the easier that's the easier one to tackle you know it's not so it's not as hard to say yeah I can't go play football or I can't go you know play baseball with you guys because honestly I'll I'll be in pain or sore the thing that's harder i think is just saying you're okay the way that you are your body is mangled in relation to people around you you know in relative ways but you're okay as a person and and coming to that ugh, i mean that's still a thing you still have to i still have to work on that on a regular basis because it's just not easy and there's a little bit of a divergence there because as little people, I'll speak for myself, I didn't want people to help me and I didn't want people to get stuff for me, but I need people to get stuff for me. I, I don't want people to identify my dwarfism and call it out in certain ways, but I want to talk about my dwarfism at the same time. Like it's this, it's walking this line that ends up being so hard for people for again, for myself. And it's, you kind of fill that void or avoid those conversations with your hobbies or your work or things that you think are cool or things that you think other people are going to think are cool because you're doing them. And yeah, that's, that's the discussion that's, that's tough and uh, a pretty unique gray area, I would say. I really love the attitude and you will move forward without regret or without questions and you make your own decisions. So you're really wanting to put forth the podcast that you have, but not just the podcast. You're really trying to put education into the world. Yeah. 
I, I think it's really important that people hear the stories of these little people because they're so exceptional and my show is there to entertain and I want people to walk away from it and have some exposure to little people and say, Oh, okay. The next time I see a little person, maybe I don't have to run away in the grocery store and hide behind an aisle. If they're standing next to me, maybe I can say, Hey, how you doing? How's, how's your day today? You know, just have a conversation. We can feel when you're treating us like a person and when you're treating us like an, an object of hilarity or uh, something you want to exploit. Uh, we have senses too. <laughs> I want to educate, but I also want people to be entertained by these personalities. Like I don't, I don't want my show to be a, a stuffy thing because I don't know stuffy little people. You know, it's not this thing where people are, you know, oh, it's time to learn about dwarfism now. It's like, no, you're going to hear some crazy stories that had my jaw on the floor when I first heard them because some of my friends have been arrested on military bases and other people, <laughs> you know, have been lauded on their tours in Europe playing in rock and roll bands by by other little people who found them and said, oh, you're so cool that you play guitar on stage. Everybody has an amazing life experience, but little people have such, we have the same experience as you, but it's amplified in this way because everyone is staring at us, but also we've had to figure out our surroundings in the way of just like testing things out. And a lot of us are really open-minded. And so that can sometimes get us into some precarious situations, but you know, you learn from that because you learn that everybody's in a tough spot sometimes and everybody has to figure out what it is that they're doing, figure out what it is that they are here for, figure out who they are. And, you know, it's this it's this constant thing. But for some reason, with people with dwarfism, it can be a, a very exciting uh, adventure. <laughs> Well, you figured out what you're here for. Absolutely. You alluded to before, you know, five years ago, this was not Kristoff. I was kind of just starting my friendships and my relationships with little people because I just didn't want to accept myself and didn't want to accept other people. And when you see another little person, I was just reading a book about this. When you are a little person, you don't think of yourself as a little person. But then when I would see another little person or I would see a photograph of myself or if I would be with my friends and catch myself in a mirror, it's kind of shocking to see your physicality and your body, especially next to other people. And I get it. I don't look at my hands and think, oh, those are the hands of a little person. I just look at them and say, oh, those are my hands. They're going to do stuff for me today. You know, that's, and so to, to step back and actually look at yourself and, and see that, you know, you have to understand that other people will see you as a curiosity or an oddity or whatever they describe you as, you know, but the people that you really need to care about are the ones that are going to look beyond what the physicality is and look into your, your heart and your mind and, and see you for that. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up because it's important to remind people. So now I want to go to your entertainment business because you wanted to be a musician and yeah. you left Michigan for Hollywood. Yep. <laughs> and, and then <laughs> this career just, bam. So how did that 
happen and and before you you move on into that I have a quick question because you didn't form relationships with little people and I'm not saying you needed to but did you feel that you were ostracized by other little people actors and actresses in any way I never felt ostracized by actors and actresses who were little per se once I got to Hollywood I felt I was pretty much accepted because I think the people around me knew how to accept little people and they saw me and they were very nice to me and said, Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Who are you? I was the one with the problem. I was the one that was like, uh, this is yeah. weird. I don't know. Cause I played in a rock band for six years from Detroit and I saw one little person in those six years. There were never any little people around and there was only one little person in my life until I was 30 and she would come and see my band now and then or when it was close to her when we were playing close to her city and we became friends and stuff and I I really want to say that I wasn't weird about it but I was weird about it it wasn't I didn't go to LPA Little People of America and have a ton of relationships with little people so it was a really difficult thing for me to just accept and get over and get into and say okay these these people are just physically different but they're great people i i need to spend time with them so it took yeah. me a long time and that and that's okay you also were drumming and doing things that obviously were not going to allow you to build too many relationships beyond your travels so let's talk about hollywood because i think this is just so interesting and yeah. Some of those pictures, oh my gosh. I I have to tell you, I had such a hard time looking at some of them. Uh, it's easier. It's so much easier to watch the movie or the TV show and see the 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 gore or the the monstrous uh, costumes and then to see it on a picture where it's up close and <laughs> where you can see all the Yeah. Oh, okay. So go ahead. That's that's the guy, the guy with the horns <laughs> yeah. and the nose and everything. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. And yeah, I mean, I came to Hollywood to play music and I was auditioning for bands and, you know, doing that whole thing. And I got a couple gigs. Actually, I got a really, I got one really big gig. I ended up playing on the Ellen DeGeneres show with a nine-year-old prodigy guitarist. Wow. And that's just because, that's just because I was sitting in my room uh, in North Hollywood refreshing Craigslist every 10 minutes and there was a gig that came up and I responded to it and got hired for the gig and then a couple weeks later after that I got called from Universal Pictures Films and they said hey we want to hire you to be a stand-in for a CGI alien character in New Mexico for three months <laughs> and yeah I love New Mexico New Mexico's and and we had toured to New Mexico a couple of times and and I always found New Mexico really beautiful I accepted the job which I almost did not do and just kind of landed into acting and it was cool and it was fun and it was unlike anything I'd ever done before and I'm a social guy so I just went around and met everyone on the crew and hung out and partied with them and you know, went to work every day. And on my days off, I would go and explore Taos or get some chocolate at Kakawa. Yeah, I loved it so much. And then I came back to Hollywood and I, I got an agent and 
you know, things kind of were falling into place with all that, but I still wanted to play music. Like music was still in my, in my blood. Although I, I really loved acting and the jobs and the money was so much better than playing music. So I, I was definitely torn, you know, I, I wanted to do Hollywood stuff and music stuff. And I kind of bounced back and forth. I actually went back to Detroit because I wanted to play music and got back in the music scene over there. But then acting found me in Detroit. And so I worked on a big movie in Detroit. And then I, again, Michigan has terrible winters. So uh-huh. then I wanted to move back to Hollywood. I've been very fortunate. And acting as a little person in Hollywood is a unique experience because we are not afforded the same opportunities as average height folks for a reason, I guess. But the discouraging thing that I found was that Hollywood regularly wanted to put me in a ton of makeup and a ton of foam and costumes and monsters. Uh, There are very, very few roles that I saw and that I booked for me to just play a guy in any sort of somewhat normal situation without having a fetishized, you know, tinge or, you know, this crazy character, you know, characterization of an individual, I guess, if you even want to call that. Writers and productions didn't really have roles that were fleshed out and dynamic and multi-layered for little people. It was mostly just costumes and goop and prosthetics and makeup. And and that just, that wore on me after a while. And it, it's frustrating when you talk to other actors because you develop relationships with other actors and, you know, being on Twin Peaks, I was around so many talented and incredible folks and they would go on auditions, obviously. And I just would not be going on auditions because they weren't, the roles aren't there. And it, it, it's just kind of got discouraging for me and I can handle rejection. I think I can handle a lot of rejection. I've re- rejected quite a bit in my life and I can still smile about it. But when I know that I have brains and something more to offer than a bald short guy showing up you know it's it's a little bit discouraging oh sure sure because again you don't feel that the value that you're able to offer has been really used or accepted Uh, and yeah and that's not just me all the little people that I know they're not just shorter meat sacks we're really incredible and dynamic people and uh, I, you know i'm extending that to to all of the little people that are out there it's not just i'm not an exception it's 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 everyone that is there and and they all have incredible stories and they would be so good as friends or bridesmaids or business people or villains or whatever that are just normal in 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 life and i think that is a huge reason why it comes for full circle and you see the kids in grocery stores that end up making fun of Kristoff at eight years old because they've only seen little people as this nebulous character that just doesn't deserve a backstory or is just this fetishized thing that people make fun of all the time. Peter Dinklage is doing amazing things. I love Peter's work and the first time I saw the station agent, I didn't understand why I identified with that role so much because I'm like, who, 
who told people about us? What happened? <laughs> how did how did this get out? How did they know about me? And I I just hope that there's going to be more of that out there because it all just helps and it all just no helps to normalize and create an exposure experience for folks. Sure. So what has been your favorite role that you have done? Uh, it's It's been Ike the Spike. <laughs> it's been Twin Peaks. Well... Because, I mean, the My least amount of makeup I've loves that character. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, sis? Howdy. Yeah, that was the thing. You know, hardly any makeup. I had some pretty bad meth teeth that they had me wear. And the rest of it is, a, it's, it's a lot of Kristoff in that one, you know? And I hope it's really not a lot of Kristoff in that one. <laughs> 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 oh, I was so sore after that day. It was something else. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. No, no that's 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 not normally Kristoff. <laughs> that, that, that I know. That was that was Ike. But I've been such a huge fan of David Lynch, his movies and his shows. I, just to be on it at all as an extra, I would have been over the moon. And to actually have a role on that show, and then to get to do what I did on any show is special in my opinion, you know, but I'm this little guy who is vicious and I'm so, I'm just so proud of that. You know, I, I don't totally comprehend how it happened, how I ended up getting the role and getting chosen, but I, I'm, I'm beyond proud of it. You know, it's, it's a very brutal, messy, gruesome scene that I have, but I think it's awesome. I mean, you see my whole body, you see me in action, you see me playing a role and and being this terrible character. But I also think it's it's cool that you see my face and you know, there there is a little bit of humanity to Ike as well. He's got a, a sliver of a soft side that comes out and uh, you know, that goes then he takes that sliver and spikes somebody else. But Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's a very resourceful guy. But yeah, that's that's my favorite role for sure, hands down. Do you see any other roles in the future? Yeah, I at the moment I'm most focused on my podcast. I want that to be the thing that I'm putting the most energy into at the moment. I honestly haven't been called from my agents that much during the time of COVID, which is kind of okay because going on set freaks me out a little bit and being around 80 to 120 people that have been around 80 to 120 people the day before COVID seems like it's a mixed bag on its own. And so I'm staying away. I'm being very cautious later on. I, I really want to do roles that lift little people up and that showcase us as humans and, and, and not props or, or other things. And I think Hollywood is moving in that direction it's it's a slow roll. There have been some movements in the right direction for that, and I'm really interested to see where that goes. So, for instance, there's a commercial, and it's the first time I've ever seen a little person on a commercial who was just herself, just a person. It was 2020. I'm just floored by it. I think it's such a cool thing that this little person is normalized in this friend group in an Amazon commercial. Nice job. Ah, I don't know that I've seen the commercial. So now I, I know that you are a surfer. You learned to surf through adaptive surfing or through a program. Is that correct? 
No, I just tossed myself in the oh ocean, my actually. Gosh, just, <laughs> you are. Oh, my gosh. Like your mom did. Yeah. Handed you the skateboard and off you went. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. I know. I just. Good I, for um, you. Good for you. Yeah, I've just. I mean, surfing has my heart over and over again. And when I moved to L.A., I just. I knew I wanted to surf. I've loved it since I was a teenager. Bought a surfboard and I would just go to the beach all the time and just try to get better and learn and I ended up making a bunch of friends and I surf in Malibu quite a bit and in Ventura and I don't know I just I think when you, you won love an something award that, too right I I did yeah I won there was an adaptive surfing, surfing competition in Oceanside California and they held a short stature division and I ended up surfing against one other individual and he is such an incredible surfer he's so good I mean the only reason why I won is because of luck, you know, it's not it, but I just, just being out in the water with another surfer and knowing that it's our heat and oh, our yeah. division, yeah, that to me was so incredible because they said, Hey, actually, you know, if you come down and surf in this, we'll make a specific division for the two of you and you can compete in this. How can I turn that down? I mean, that's incredible. So I did it and yes, I ended up winning, but Ryan is so talented and he's such a, he's such a great guy and he's such an incredible surfer. He's, he's won more contests than I've entered and you know, it was just a pleasure to be out there with him. So yeah. But the other thing is, is, you know, there were 90 contestants in that competition and they're from all over the world and they're blind and deaf and amputees and folks with spinal cord injuries. And it was just so cool to see all of these unique people having the love for surfing and being out there with one another and so much support. And it was just awesome. Yeah. Wow. You've done so much and you've (laughs) taken away some form of positivity and and giving it back to humanity in in different ways. And now it happens to be your podcast. So let's talk about the pod- the podcast. The show is called I'm Kind of a Big Deal. And <laughs> I, cha- I changed my subtitle to Little People, Huge Stories. And I think that just fits because these stories are really big and they'll open your eyes to a- another world. Even if they were told by an average height person, I think they would be exceptional. But these are people who are, you know, around four foot six to three feet tall and they're they have unique struggles but they do not let that keep them down they are not searching for pity they want to get it themselves they want to do it themselves and they've led lives that just really haven't been exposed and haven't been shown to people and i think that is the biggest thing for people to understand and and it's the it's the way for people to accept them and have empathy for them and and say, okay, we want to include you in this because you're a person too. And I can hear your voice and it's, it's similar to mine and and let's have you come to the table. And I think that's the, the best way I know how to do this. You know, I don't, I don't claim to be a genius about, uh, bringing people together or anything. I love stories and I know that these stories are exceptional and people need to hear them. I love your subtitle, Little People, Huge Stories. What have we missed that you really would like to talk about? I feel like we've covered so much. You're a great interviewer. You do a lot of research and you ask very 
you ask great questions. So kudos to you. I guess, you know, I kind of end what I'm saying to folks with, you know, just yes, little person, short stature, dwarf, they're all acceptable terms. But, you know, if you see a little person, I think the best way to identify them is with their name and saying, you know, addressing them. And, and that kind of motivates you to introduce yourself and actually get their name so you can say hello. And I think that is just a big step towards humanizing that individual and that experience in a way that is easier to connect. And I think that's what's the important thing. That That is so awesome. I really love that, the way you have phrased all of that. And, oh, thanks. And that, Christoph, you are so incredibly inspiring and you are a positive imprint for everyone that you come into contact with. You really value the person that you meet. I will share what I say at the end of my show and that is life is short, have fun. It is true. It is very ways. true. And I so much enjoyed meeting you and I, I had so much fun. Thank you for sharing your humor and your time. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on the show. This was so much fun. You have a great show. I've really enjoyed listening to it, so I'm so happy to be a part of it. Thank you. Oh, Christoph, thank you so much. Learn more about Christoph Zajak Denik from his website, ChristophZD.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-Z-D.com. You can check him out on Instagram and Facebook, Big Deal Pod. And his podcast is I'm Kind of a Big Deal. And it seems that my fan was acting up on my laptop, so I apologize for my sound there. Your positive imprint. What's your P.I.?